Well, good morning. Hey, good to have all of you at all of our churches this morning. We're in our fourth week of our series entitled, The Grass is Always Greener. And if you have not been with us during this series, I would really encourage you to go back maybe to our website or our app where you can hear the full version of each talk because we absolutely think it would be worth your time, especially in this season. Now, before we get into today's conversation about the grass is always greener, parents, we are always glad for the opportunity to partner with you to help your children grow in faith because we know that you're the primary spiritual leader in your children's life, and we want to make sure that we're partnering with that. In fact, through the month of November, we have been doing that by focusing together as a church on the value or virtue of contentment. They've been doing that in Wombaland and Upstreet, and we've been talking about that in our Sunday services. But then in December, we want to partner with you again, parents, um, by helping your children, help you lead your children to understand the deeper reason and meaning for Christmas by celebrating Advent. Now, you go, what is Advent? Advent. Well, Advent is kind of a Latin word for coming, and it actually is the idea of the time of preparation and waiting for the birth of Jesus. So, Advent officially begins four Sundays before Christmas, which is why parents, and maybe for some of you who've never celebrated Advent, today when you came in on your seat, there was an Advent calendar. Um, it's a great way for you to prepare your heart and your mind and your focus of your family on what the real meaning of Christmas is. It's just a way that we can partner with you as, as families in our church. It's filled, if you look at it, it's filled with all kind of fun activities for you as a family to have this memorable, kind of create a memorable month, if you want to say it, as you prepare and anticipate the celebration of Christmas Day, really the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So make sure you take it with you. Your children will be receiving this as well. Maybe you want to lead your children through this, maybe grandchildren through this, or nieces or nephews. But um, if you have any questions about this at any of our locations, man, stop by your galleries you leave or wherever uh, they have you gather for questions. They'll let you know. I'm sure they'll let you know in the hosting this morning. Um, but just be glad to answer any questions you have to help you have the best experience uh, with your family for really understanding the meaning and the reason for why we celebrate Christmas. So don't forget to take those with you. Now, to get us started today, make sure you pull out your talk notes because I'm sure you're going to want to take some notes as we go through today's talk out of that worship guide you received. But I want you to think about something as we begin our conversation, the grass is always greener, and that is this. Have you noticed how much you talk to yourself? Some of you are saying, yes, you do. Some of the people in your family are saying, oh, yeah, they do, you know, that kind of thing. But it's kind of normal for us to talk to ourselves. Now, here's the thing. If you don't realize that you're talking to yourself, that's not normal. Because, see, we're always talking to ourselves. We're always having conversations in our head. We're always telling ourselves things like, I ought to, but I really don't want to, or I should, but this, you know, or I shouldn't, but maybe this one time I can do this, or I, I could, but then I'd have to do this, or, you know, we tell, we're, we're always having these conversations. Don't forget to do this, or make sure you do this. And that's just kind of how our lives work. We're always having conversations with ourselves. But it seems like if you really would stop and think about the conversations that you have yourself, most of the conversations that we have with ourselves, they kind of, um, they kind of rotate around this one question, and it's the question of why. We always are thinking, why did they say that? 
Or why did he look at me that way? Or why did she look at me that way? Or why didn't she text me back? Or why did they not invite me to that? Or why do they seem to get all the breaks in their life? Or why do they seem to have more than I have? Or why can't I have what they have? Or why can't I be who they are? And then we ask questions about why, about so many other things in our culture, in our world. And here's the thing. Every time we bump in to the why question, here's what we do. We create something in our minds called narratives. Don't miss this. We create something in our minds called narratives. And the reason we create narratives is to answer the questions that we bump into that are why questions. Now, what is a narrative? You might want to write this down. A narrative is just simply a story or an explanation for things that happened the way they happened and why did they or why they did the thing they did or why that happened the way it did. See, we create narratives or stories all the time in our minds because we want to make sense of the why. So that's why we create narratives. Matter of fact, don't miss this. This is so important in the culture in which we live. The more random or the more confusing or the more unexplainable the event, the more diligently we'll work to impose some kind of reason to the randomness. Hence, all the conspiracy theories in our world right now. See, we're creating narratives to answer the question why. Now, here's the thing. One of the primary things that causes us to talk to ourselves and create these narratives is a word that we've been talking about throughout this whole series called the word comparison. See, we are constantly aware of and we're constantly thinking about what is or what isn't going on around us all the time. And so what we do is we look at all these things that are going on around us because, see, we're not just aware. Here's what's interesting about most of us. We're not really aware of what's going on in our world, but we're really aware of what's going on in the world. Like, we don't show up to things and events and stay present. We're always thinking about something else, always distracted about something else. So we're always constantly aware and thinking about what's going on in the world around us, in the lives of people around us. And what we do is because it seems so random sometimes and it doesn't make sense to us sometimes. And so what we do is we create these narratives in our minds that fuel comparison that cause us to peer over the fence and compare our grass to our neighbor's grass or the grass of other people. And in doing so, what happens is, is we undermine our happiness. We create unnecessary stress in our life and we rob ourselves of peace, which is why we've said through this whole series, there is no win in comparison. Because comparison, all it does is create more discontentment about life. Now, here's why it's very helpful to be aware of the fact that we create conversations whenever we bump into a why, that we create narratives in our minds whenever we bump into a why, and especially the fact that it causes us to look over the fence and have so many conversations with ourselves. You might wanna write this next statement down, and that is this. We create and often live by our own self-created narratives. Don't miss this. We create and often live by our own self-created narratives. And I'm telling you folks, this should scare you a bit. It scares me a lot, the more I become aware about it in my own life. It should scare us about what we do to ourselves because here's the thing, 
because when we create, this is, not only do we create this, but notice this next line, and often what? Everybody say it with me on every campus, and often live by. See, we live by our own narratives, even if our narratives are not actually true. We've just based them on some assumption or some small slice of the pie. I mean, I want you to think about that for a minute. The stories that we tell ourselves, I mean, they shape us. Even if those stories aren't fully accurate, even if they don't have a 100,000 foot view of the situation. And you're smart enough when you think about it that way to understand that that can create some real problems for our lives, for our relationship, especially our relationship and our focus on God, especially even in this area of contentment or discontentment. Now, the good news is, as we've said before in this series, there is a solution to this discontentment that is created by our own self-created narratives. See, a lot of the discontentment in our life is because of our own self-created narratives. In fact, the Apostle Paul, while he's sitting in a prison, he wrote this statement. He says, I have learned the secret to being content. And what we've been doing in this series of conversations is we are learning that this secret is available to all of us and we're understanding and discover how this secret works in our life. So today, we're gonna look at another step to learning this secret of being content. So I want you to write it down and then we're gonna look at what the Apostle Paul says about it and how we can apply it to our lives. Here is the next secret and that is this. You need to pay attention to your narratives. You need to pay attention to your narratives because I'm going to tell you something. Your narratives, not the lifestyle of another person, not a person that you're in a relationship, your narratives determine the outcome of your life. And we're going to see this from the Apostle Paul more than anything else. We want to blame our spouse. We want to blame our coworkers. We want to blame our neighbors. We want to blame our parents. We want to blame our children. We want to blame everybody else for why our lives are in the state they're in and why we have the emotional experiences and the relational and spiritual lids on our lives that we have. And the reality is, as we're going to see from the Apostle Paul, is you need to pay attention to your narratives because your narratives determine the outcome of your life more than anything else. See, you should pay attention whenever you catch yourself telling yourself some kind of story like, well, I'm allowed to do this right now because I deserve to be happy. I've sacrificed so much for my spouse. I've sacrificed so much for my children or for the people that I work with. I deserve to, you know, do this for me. Or, or we'll say things like, well, it really doesn't matter if I do this because nobody's going to notice or it's not going to hurt anybody. See, we, we think those kind of things all the time. Or it's okay for me to do this because he was supposed to or she was supposed to. Or if I don't take advantage of this now, it's never going to happen. Or it's not my fault. It's because of the Republicans or the Democrats or the immigrants or the media or the way I was raised or where I grew, grew up at. See, we create all these stories, all these narratives. And we tell ourselves, hey, these are facts. These are reality. And part of the reason that we create these narratives is this, write this down. Narratives create excuses. Don't miss that. Narratives create excuses. See, what narratives do is they allow you to explain away behavior in your life that you would never explain away in somebody else's. 
See, what narratives do, they allow you to justify behaviors in your life that you would never condone in other people's lives. See, narratives, what they do is they allow you to dodge making apologies or making changes in your life where in the same situation, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, you would expect them to make changes or make an apology. So what narratives ultimately do, because they create excuses, is what they do is they fuel pride, they fuel arrogance, they fuel prejudice, they fuel fears and racism and sexism and materialism. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that narratives create in our minds. So what that means is this, because narratives create excuses, narratives cause you to self-sabotage. Make sure you understand that. We don't get sabotaged by other people as much as we think we get sabotaged. No, we self-sabotage because of the narratives that we create in our mind. So your internal narratives about yourself, they keep you from being all that God created you to be. They have the potential, as I said, to cause you to self-sabotage because you will tell yourself a story for why something is so that you feel comfortable and then that becomes your story and it can be absolutely false and you self-sabotage in the process and you blame everybody around you. So the Apostle Paul is gonna tell us today, you have to learn to pay attention to your narratives because they create excuses. So 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul, he writes about this in a letter to some Christ followers in a city called Corinth. So if you're following along in your Bibles, go ahead and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That's where we're gonna be. And he wrote about this, and you need to understand this. He wrote about this because this was very personal to the Apostle Paul. He understood how self-sabotaging and how hurtful narratives could be, not only to himself, but the people around him. Think about this. Originally, because of his personal narratives, the Apostle Paul, he hated Christians. Think about that. The Apostle Paul, because of the narratives that he told himself, he hated Christians. So much so that he went around persecuting, imprisoning, and even killing Christians until he became one. And then he changed his narrative. And as a result of changing his narrative, he changed his career. I mean, think about that. That's the power of a personal narrative. He goes from hating Christians to the point of persecuting, imprisoning, and killing them to the becoming one. And then he devoted the rest of his life to traveling throughout the pagan world just to share about this incredible story of the death and resurrection of Jesus with all the people who had never heard that story. I mean, think about, this is the power of your narrative. I mean, he goes about sharing, he's a Jew, and he's sharing with Gentiles, hey, God loves you. God cares about you. You matter to God. Now think about this. The, the incredible shift that happened in the Apostle Paul's life because he changed his narratives. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the same thing is true in your life. You want to experience a shift in your life, you have to change the narratives of your life. But also imagine how challenging this must have been for the Apostle Paul to convince these pagans to change their worldview, to change their narratives, because your worldview, how you see the world, is based upon the narratives that you tell yourself in your head. I mean, think about it. These people he's going to, these unchurched people, these pagan nations, I mean, their narrative was so opposite of what Jesus taught that I'm sure that when the Apostle Paul showed up and he shared it, people would often just shake their heads and go, there's no way. I'm sure they laughed at him 
But he did this over and over and over in town after town after town. And then as people begin to adopt this narrative of Jesus, what he would do is he would plant a church and he would teach people how to change their narrative, how to think and how to act more like Jesus, how to run everything through the grid of what Jesus said. But to do that, the Apostle Paul, he had to deal with the narratives of the people in those days that, that believed I mean, and they believed these narratives for like their entire life. Their whole life was built on these narratives. In fact, let me just give you like three of them. Three things that, and there were many more, that the, the people in Corinth, they believed, they taught, they, they grew up believing this. Here, here's the first one. They believe this, people are property. Now, being a human being in their culture, it did not entitle you to certain inalienable rights. Like if you were a child, you were the property of your parents. If you were a wife, you were like the property of your husband. If you were a Roman citizen, then you were the property of Caesar. If you couldn't pay your debts, then the person that you owed money to, I mean, you became enslaved to them till you could pay everything back with interest. You became their property. Or even like when the wealthiest person in town, I mean, they really could become the property of somebody else if somebody else could do something to gain control of them because people were seen as property. Here's another one. I mean, these are like, you're going to listen to these and go, how does that work? How could they believe this? Another one, false narrative they had was might, might makes right. Like whoever had the most power, whoever had the most money, whoever had the biggest army, they, they had the most power. So might makes right. They got to make the rules. So whoever was in charge made the rules. And here's the thing about that. That could change overnight. And then the third one was this. The gods determine the fate of the individuals. So something happened to a child, well, it's just fate of the gods. Something happened to a woman, was just the fate of the gods. No, no, no need to feel sorry for anybody. I mean, the gods have spoken. A man just get deathly sick, it's just the fate of the gods. See, what happens though, when we look at these false narratives, we look at those narratives and think, man, that's so wrong. Who could ever believe that's true? But see, while it's obviously wrong to you, it seemed perfectly natural and right to them. I mean, in their minds, this was considered common sense. So here's the thing. Once people begin to follow Jesus, they had to make this big shift and let go of these narratives that they had going on in their mind. And this is so important for all of us. And I can only, I, I bet most of you can imagine how hard it was for them to shift their narratives. And there's many of us, we need to shift our narratives. And it's hard because for many of you, you've tried to change the narratives in your mind because you know it's sabotaging your relationship with God. You know it's sabotaging your relationship with your spouse. You're always in conflict with your spouse or with your children or your coworkers or people around you because of narratives that you tell yourself in your mind. And you've tried to change it over and over and you get realization, oh, I keep sabotaging myself, but you can't, right? It's hard to change your narratives. So the Apostle Paul, he understands this and he writes to these Christ followers at Corinth who are working on this and he's challenging them, hey, keep working on this. And, and he's so passionate about it that he uses very strong military advice whenever he's saying, or he's used very strong military language whenever he's talking about it. Because he knew this, he knew we had to be aggressive in the battle against our narratives. We have to be very aggressive and we have to fight hard if we're gonna win the battle against these narratives that we create in our mind. 
And so we're going to look this morning at what the Apostle Paul says about how we attack these narratives in our mind. Here's what he writes, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is not actually, actually physical war here. He, he's saying literally, I'm about to explain to you a, a different way to live your life and to deal with the difficulties that you're experiencing in your relationship with God, in your relationship with people, in, in your relationship with yourself. He's saying, I'm about to show you a different way to fight your loneliness, your insecurity, your pride, your conflict, your financial trouble, your debt, your greed, your jealousy, your anger, all of those things that make you discontent and all of those things that cause you to self-sabotage. And literally what he's saying, he says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage wars in the world. He's literally saying, if you do what everybody else around you does, then you're just going to end up where everybody else ends up, self-sabotaging based upon the narratives that you tell yourself. So he said, if you want something different, you have to fight this spiritual battle. It's really a spiritual battle so much differently. In fact, notice what he says in verse 4. He says, the weapons we fight with, they are not the weapons of the world. Now, again, when he uses this, this wording to give us this advice on how to conquer these narratives, he, he, when he talks about weapons here, this word weapon here, he's thinking of like the Roman army kind of weapons. He's not referring to like small arms like we would think of nowadays like a pistol or a knife or even a rifle. No, no. He's thinking about big military, big armament that could siege, like a siege, siege another town. It's like it just conquer another town, just roll in over people. See, it's the kind of catapults and the towers and the battering rams that they used to break through walls of city whenever they were taking a city. That's kind of the mindset that he has here. So he's saying, listen, we need to understand that when we are in a battle, the weapons that we use, they have to be so much different than the weapons of this world. And the question is, how are they different? Notice the last part of the verse. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, you need to understand something. Strongholds in that day, they were referred to like thick, tall walls of a city that seemed impenetrable. And the Apostle Paul says, the, whip, the weapons that we have, they are from God. And these things, they give us the power to demolish, to take out these strongholds that we create in our mind. And the question that some of you are saying is, why do I need to demolish any strongholds? I don't think I have any strongholds. And my statement to you is, oh, yes, you do. If you have watched any media, and if you have any major opinion about anything going on in our world right now, you probably have created some strongholds in your mind. If your primary focus has been more on media than God's word, I can promise you, you have strongholds in your mind. If you've been spending five minutes in God's word and five hours on Facebook and other YouTube and any kind of news media, I promise you, you have strongholds. You have made up narratives in your mind of why things are happening the way they're happening that really do not line up with what God says. So do I have any strongholds? Absolutely. Do you have strongholds? We all do. See, our strongholds, they're those walls, they're those narratives that we build to protect ourselves and to cope with life. Don't miss what I said. These strongholds, they're narratives that we create 
in order to protect ourselves and to cope with life. So our walls, these are, they're the narratives that we build to try to keep out any information or worldview that's pretty much different than ours or what we want to believe. See, most of us, we, we don't want to believe anything. We don't want to hear anything that's going to be challenging to us. I mean, it's like, it's why social media and so much media is now, is this clickbait kind of thing where there's these algorithms that they see what you're watching and listening to and they just keep digging you down and more clickbait into that line of thinking. And it just creates greater strongholds. So what we do is we just surround ourselves with people and information that really are just confirming what I already believe is something called confirmation bias. I mean, we all have confirmation bias in our lives. And the Apostle Paul says, you need to be aware of that because it's a spiritual attack from the devil and it will take you out. That will take you out more than what's happening in the world will take you out. He's saying, listen, you need to be aware of what's happening in your world more than you're aware of what's happening in the world. Notice what he says. He says, we demolish, this is the strongholds. He's about to list out some of the strongholds. We demolish arguments. So your arguments that you have in your mind, your arguments that you have with other people oftentimes are, are strongholds. I mean, your arguments are gonna sound something like this. Well, I'm entitled to, or they owe me, or that's just the way it has to be, or I can, or I have to, or you know, they should have. It's, it's all these kind of things of why, or they should never have done that, or they should have never thought that way, or they should have never been that way. See, your arguments more time than not what they do is they fuel your discontent with life and they cause you to start comparing yourself to other people. Here's what arguments are. Arguments are this. They are false narratives based upon false assumptions. They are false narratives based upon false assumptions. See, an argument is any false narrative that you believe about yourself, that you believe about other people or that you believe about the world that is contrary to the worldview that Jesus taught us or Jesus introduced. So the apostle Paul is saying, listen, there are certain things that you believe right now and they are simply wrong. They are out of line with God's truth and God's word. They're out of line with the values that Jesus introduced into this world. In fact, to use a phrase that Jesus often used, he said, they do not align with the kingdom of God. And you know what that does? It causes you to be discontent and to compare. Now, we'll come back to that in just a moment and kind of give you some ideas and examples. But the apostle Paul's point is this. Listen, you need to be aware of these false narratives that are based on false assumptions that you have in your life. You don't need to build walls around them and protect them. You need to demolish them because guess what? They're dangerous to you and they're dangerous to other people. You need to break through them because if you don't, what's gonna happen is your pride and your certainty is going to cause you to self-sabotage based upon false narrative. In fact, he goes on in the verse. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension. Now, what is a pretension? Well, here's what a pretension is. It's arrogance and conceit. See, Pretension is this arrogance and conceit that causes us to resist replacing our false narratives with true truth, basically from God's word. I mean, you know what I'm talking about because you're so much like me. Like anytime a belief or a story or a narrative that you hold is challenged in your mind, what do you immediately feel? What do you feel whenever a story or a belief or something that you, a worldview that you hold to is challenged? What you feel is tension. 
You feel resistance in your spirit. You start pushing back on that person. That's because we all have pretensions. We all have a level of arrogance. We all have a level of conceit. We all have a level, you might want to say, of ego. We all have, if you want to base it all down, we all have a level of pride. And we've built up walls to help us hold on to what we've always told ourselves is true. But that's not all he says. That's not the only false narratives we create in our mind. He says, we, we demolish arguments and every pretension that self sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So he's saying, listen, we should assault any narrative about ourselves or others that contradicts what God introduced to this world through Jesus Christ. For example, things like this, and, and many of you, I'm not going to give you like a global view of this. I'm going to give you a very personal view of this, of what we say not arguments that basically are pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. It's the things that you say to yourself like this, I'll never amount to anything. Like, where did you get that idea? Because it sure didn't come from Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, you are worth so much that I'm going to come from heaven to earth and I'm going to live this life here on this earth and I'm going to die for you and I'm going to rise again to show you that I have power over sin and death and that you're that valuable. Or how about this one? I can't really change. I've tried. I can't change. Well, that, that's not what Jesus said. He, he said that God will help anybody change. He'll transform anyone to be the person that God created them to be if they just truly leaned in and allowed God's Holy Spirit to bring about that change. Or how about this one? Uh, I really don't matter because I, I can't make a difference in my life. And we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago. According to Jesus, I mean, God has a purpose for your life. You were created on purpose with a purpose. Here's one that we don't say out loud, but oftentimes we think in our minds, especially when you're pulling in a parking lot and you watch how some people drive in a parking lot, you'll say something like this. Well, I'm so much better than those people. I would never be that stupid. Really? God says we're all sinners in need of a savior. The playing field's equal for all of us. Think about it. Any narrative that contradicts the truth or the values of God, it is simply false. And the Apostle Paul, he believed it was so dangerous to you that he says, listen, you should make a point to demolish it from your life. You should declare war about it. Well, how do we do that? He tells us, he says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient. I want you to notice this phrase right here, to make it obedient, because your narratives are not naturally obedient to God and his word. Satan is putting all kinds of thoughts in your mind that are contradictory to God's word and you think that it's your thoughts. See, the only way Satan can take you out is through your thoughts. And so he's putting all these thoughts in your mind that are contradictory to God's word and you think you came up with this original amazing idea and all you're doing is traveling down this false narrative that Satan's putting in your mind. He says, so you have to take every thought captive to make it obedient because it's not naturally going to be obedient. You gotta make it obedient to Christ. So you take any narrative or belief that you have out that's out of line with God's word and you line it up with the truth, the vision, the values of Jesus in your life. And I'm telling you folks, that is why in this season, you need to be reading God's word consistently, particularly the New Testament teachings of Jesus and his followers so that you can be transformed. 
Your mind can be renewed. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, he says, listen, be not conformed to this world any longer, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in this season, you need to be in God's word more than any other time because there are more lies flying around in our culture, in our world than ever before. You got, you got to get into God's word because that's where you get this very clear picture of the vision and the values of God's kingdom for this world. This is where you discover the truth about God and God's word. It's where you discover the truth about who you are. It's where you find narratives on which you have built your life that you need to tear them down because once you find the truth, man, all of a sudden you're going, man, I, I believe a lie here. I believe a lie there. And then you got to do the hard work of taking those thoughts into captivity and replacing them with truth. That means you don't let those false narratives rattle around in your head free and just kind of live in your life. No, no, no. Whenever you find false narratives in your life and those thoughts pop up, you, you don't give them like a piece of pie and a cup of coffee and say, sit down, let's have a chat. Because see, that's what most of you do. You're like, oh, let's just have a conversation about this. And the next thing you know, you're so angry at your spouse. You're so angry at your parents. You're so angry at your children. You're so angry at your coworkers. You're so angry with the world because you have been sitting down having coffee with these false narratives and they're creating this emotional climate in you that is destructive to you and other people. The Apostle Paul says, no, you need to take attack. You need to take them captive. You need to strike them down. And here's the thing about these false narratives. They create ruts in your mind and you gotta take them down again and again and again and again by reminding yourself that's not true. This is what God says. And here's what God says about me and here's what God says about them and here's what is true. This is what I'm gonna live by. See, here's the thing. This is why it's so important in this season for you to be focused on Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith. Because see, when Jesus showed up on this earth, he gave you and me a very simple two-word invitation. He literally said, follow me. And literally when he said, follow me, he's saying, listen, follow me and we'll demolish all those false arguments that are in your head already that you have built your life on, that your grandparents told you and your parents told you. They didn't mean to tell you something wrong that the worldview which you had that you grew up in gave you. He says, follow me and we'll tear those down. Follow me and I'll help you see the world the right way. He says, follow me and I'll help you discover that God loves you so much and not only loves you, but he loves the you beside you that he gave his one and only son to die for you. And then he said, hey, and follow me. And by the way, if you follow me long enough, you'll learn to see yourself the way that God sees you. And then you'll realize that you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So you need to honor God with your body because you realize, hey, this is what my life is worth. He says, follow me and guess what you'll do? You'll quit looking across the fence and comparing yourself to others because you'll understand your value and your worth and you'll realize that in Christ that you have all that you need that, and you'll start experiencing peace and joy and contentment no matter what the circumstances that you're living through or living in. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why it's more important than ever to focus on Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Got any strongholds that need to be demolished? Listen, if you are having a conflict with any person right now, I bet you can take it back to a stronghold that you have in your life. If you're emotionally wigged out in your life, you can pretty much take it back to a stronghold that you need to conquer, take into captivity, demolish. 
See, we've all got some false narratives that we created. And the apostle Paul says, listen, it's time to tackle them. It's time to tear them down. So let me give you kind of a list of questions to maybe consider. And, and some of them won't apply to you, but one or two of them are. And you just really need to be honest with yourself because there's gonna be some that they're gonna kind of hit a nerve and that's gonna cause some resistance in you. And I'm just gonna tell you, when it causes resistance in you, you need to listen to the narrative that's going on in your head. Pay attention to what you tell yourself. Don't just justify your decision, but figure out why you're making the decisions and thinking the way that you're thinking. Ready? Here we go. Here's the big question with a bunch of sub lines. What's your narrative behind so what's your narrative behind why you won't talk to your brother or your sister or your mother or your dad? Or why you won't talk to your oldest son? What's your narrative behind that? Are you really telling yourself the truth or is there this false narrative that you are believing to justify your decision for the way you're treating somebody? So what's your narrative behind why you drink so much? Like why do you respond like you do when somebody questions you? You're having another drink? Or what's your narrative behind why you moved in or why you filed for divorce or why you're flirting with or fully in an affair? See, well, what's your narrative for why you deserve more or why you think they deserve less? Or what's your narrative behind maybe why you're not taking care of your health when your doctors are saying, hey, here's what you need to do and your family is begging you to do that? Or what's your narrative behind why you won't open up and trust people? Or what's your narrative for why you're changing jobs all the time? Or why you just made that deal that you made that everybody else goes, I don't think that's a great deal. Or what's your narrative for why you stopped attending church regularly? Or why you stopped serving at church? Or why you don't think you'll ever amount to anything? Or why you don't think you deserve to be treated with respect? Or why do you think nobody treats you with respect? Think about it. We have narratives behind all of those things. Here's another question, and that is this. What do you tell yourself about why you're not more generous? See, you have a narrative, but is it true? Well, what do you tell yourself about why you don't report all of your income on your taxes? You have a narrative. What do you tell yourself about why you keep using all these painkillers? Or what do you tell yourself about why you're not more organized or not more productive or why you don't follow through on what you say that you're going to do? Or what do you tell yourself about why you're sleeping with them? What, what do you tell yourself about why you think it's okay to have hate in your heart toward politicians that you disagree with and to talk ungodly about them? Well, what do you tell yourself about those rich people you disdain or those poor people that you disdain or those people of another ethnic race that you disdain? Well, what do you tell yourself about that? Well, what do you tell yourself about why you gave up on God or why you gave up on the church or why you won't believe Jesus and just follow Jesus? See, you really owe it to yourself to pay attention to your narratives and figure out like, what do you tell yourself about why you think it's your spouse's fault that you have all these problems in your family or your children's fault that you have all these problems in your family or your coworker's fault that you have all these problems in your work world? Why, why do you, what do you tell yourself about that? Because see, here's the thing. 
Any version of any narrative that you tell yourself that does not align with the values and the vision that Jesus entered to this world and Jesus' value and vision was, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, which means there's gotta be sacrifice for the other person, that sacrificial love. It's going to hurt you if you don't live out that and it's gonna hurt the people around you. And here's the thing, you're gonna sabotage yourself and you're always gonna believe the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And you're gonna be angry at the rest of the world and you just always have resentment in your life. And I know I'm right because those times in the past when I or other people who tell me their story became our own worst enemies, there was a false narrative that was playing around in our head every single time. So here's the question today, will you do the hard work? First of all, will you do the hard work of being really honest about what you're telling yourself? Will you be honest about whether your narrative is true or false? Can you back it up from scripture? My question is, will you even talk to somebody that will help you with this? Because you need to drag it out into light. And, and let me just tell you, if, if you resist telling somebody else what's going on in your head or what you're thinking, that's an indication that you already know that it's false. And then will you take those false narratives, literally you can call them lies from the devil and do what the apostle Paul said, demolish them, take every thought captive and make it line up with what Jesus says about you and about life. That's our challenge today. You need to pay attention to the narratives and choose to replace those lies with truth because here's the thing you need to understand. Whatever you believe and most of the stuff that you have believed is a narrative that you have made up the answer to the question of why something is happening in your world or the world around you. And whatever you believe, it defines you and it drives you. And if you believe the wrong thing, it self-sabotages you. And as your pastor, I love all of you too much to watch you self-sabotage because you're believing lies. So I wanna challenge you this week, man, get into God's word, get into the gospels, get into the epistles, and begin to just see what God says about you and begin to learn the truth and live in the truth and quit worrying so much about what's going on in the world and start figuring out what's going on in your world because what's going on in your world will sabotage you more than what's going on in the world. Because see, only when I'm okay in my world can I change the world. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, this incredible opportunity really this incredible opportunity to go to war. <laughs> war against all these lies, these false narratives, these arguments, these pretensions, these things that line themselves up against the knowledge of God's truth that we've allowed in our minds and we've just sat down and started having conversation with these lies and they started shaping us and they're sabotaging us and they're hurting the people around us. God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit will give us the courage to demolish these and to take every thought captive into the obedience of Jesus. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, everyone, have a great day. Y'all go declare war. We'll see you.